Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ. They are all declining as we move into the final hour of trading on this Monday. Right now, the S&P down a point at 2437. That is a drop of about one-tenth of one percent. We're brought to you by CBOE VIX Options and Futures. Volatility can be harnessed with CBOE VIX Options and Futures. See disclosures and learn more at cboe.com slash powerful outcomes VIX. The S&P is lower, as are both the Dow and NASDAQ. NASDAQ down five now at 6,300, a drop of about one-tenth of one percent. The Dow is down eight, a drop of one-tenth of one percent. The Dow is at 21,198. The tenure down six thirty seconds with a yield of 2.18 percent. Gold higher by a dollar the ounce to 1,281, up one-tenth of one percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil down 29 cents a barrel, 47.37, a drop there of six-tenths of one percent. As President Trump releases details for an improved and updated air traffic control system, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon spoke with Bloomberg Television and Radio about spending on infrastructure. We haven't built a major airport in 20 years. I'm told it takes 10 years to get the average permit to build one bridge. We haven't built a bridge in New York City. I mean, we're building one now at Tapazi. It's the first one in like 50 years. You know, I just came from Hong Kong. I mean, it's embarrassing. America, the can-do nation, should get back to building and constructing and it's, it's permitting, it's rules, it's requirements. We just got to get back to a can-do attitude about building infrastructure that fits our country and, and we're getting behind and you know, we shouldn't. The iShares MSCI Qatar capped exchange traded fund is posting its biggest loss on record after four Arab nations led by Saudi Arabia sought to isolate Qatar over its ties to Iran and its support for Islamist movements. Shares of the ETF are down 8.9%. Recapping S&P, down a point now, little change there, down less than one-tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you so much, Charlie Pellet. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Caroline Hyde, Carol Master, and this is Bloomberg. What is that, Dave Wilson? Is that like Stand Up America or something? No. What is that? It's Chicago. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Vote for me. It sounded like a Coke commercial or something. Oh, it's pretty peppy Which song. Which isn't bad, but... No, absolutely not. All right. Uh, yeah. it, get, it gets us to our chart of the day. What's going on here? Which is all about politics and uh, beyond elections. Does it matter, really, to stock investors who's running the country? Now, if you were to take that question and just look at the U.S. going back to the 1920s, you'd say the answer is yes, because stocks have tended to deliver higher returns under Democratic administrations than Republican administrations. Well, what happened was uh, folks at Research uh, Affiliates, Rob Arnott, who founded that firm, and uh, a couple of other researchers took a look internationally to try and figure out whether what you see in the U.S. is replicated elsewhere. And they looked specifically at five countries, uh, Australia, Canada, France, Germany, and the U.K., uh, for various time periods going back to 1950, depending on the country. And what they found is that there's no pattern. Now, if you look at uh, Canada and France, sure, left-wing parties rule the country, stocks do better. That's the history. 
With Australia, Germany, and the U.K., though, it's been exactly the opposite. So, you know, basically, Arnott concludes what's happening in the U.S. or what has happened in the U.S. over time looks rather spurious in terms of a connection. And what he suggests is, you know, you think about the timing of the worst economic downturns that we've had over the 80-plus year periods and the recoveries that followed and who was ruling the country at those times, and that may largely explain why it is that, you know, stocks have done so much better under Democrats than Republicans. You know, it's sort of an interesting take on something that inevitably comes up around election time, you know, and it's sort of an accepted fact in terms of how U.S. Uh, markets tend to perform. He looks internationally and says, you know, maybe you ought to take another look at this, and, you know, it doesn't quite hold water. If you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it, and everything I do going forward. The email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. I would love, Dave, to see what on earth the UK has been doing in terms of the amount of elections it's been having as well. I wonder if the pace of electioneering in any way affects the amount of returns that you're going to be getting in terms of, uh, of the equity market? Good question. Uh, in the case of the U.K., uh, they did go back to 1950, and they saw basically a two-percentage-point difference in favor of those parties that they identified as being on the right. So, you know, that goes to show you what happened in the U.S. didn't happen overseas. All right, Dave Wilson with his chart of the day. Let's uh, roll into our conversation. Yelena Shaletova, our senior U.S. economist here at Bloomberg Intelligence, our in-house group of analysts. Uh, it was a big day on Friday, of course, for economic uh, reports. We got that uh, monthly jobs report here in the United States. Uh, but we had a big batch of data this morning as well. Anything well, of note? a little bit of data, I would say. So, yeah, uh, the economic data are not uh, particularly exciting. Or So there's lots uh, of stuff, but it's not important. Mm. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think it's uh, it's... A very few reports, but they're quite important. So uh, the other way around. So um, we had a non-manufacturing ASM this morning. We did see a little bit of a decline, but uh, uh, overall for the uh, quarter as a whole, it seems like uh, the composite ASM reading, which includes both the manufacturing and non-manufacturing index, uh, continues to in- uh uh, point to a, uh, an increase in activity. Actually, uh, the uh, average reading for the quarter is higher than uh, it was in the first quarter, and uh, that is very well correlated with GDP growth. So uh, that supports uh, the the notion that uh, GDP growth will rebound in the second quarter. So another key takeaway from this report was uh, a rebound in the employment component of the survey. So um, as you mentioned, mentioned on Friday we received the mm-hmm. jobs report and uh, we we saw some slowing in the services sector hiring but uh, today's report on non-manufacturing ASM and particularly the rebound in the employment component indicates that uh, that slowing could be temporary and we could see some nice uh, rebound in services sector hiring. I like the word correlation that you used just there, because I want to dig into correlation. Because, Dave, what's interesting is at the moment is we're seeing implied S&P 500 index correlation falling for seven straight weeks. This seems to be signaling that this is what's keeping volatility at bay, and any turn in this could see that VIX spiking back up. 
Sure enough. And, and, and think about it, you know, at a time when, you know, we're not sure just what kind of growth the economy is delivering, people kind of have to pick their spots more in terms of the, the sorts of shares they want to own. You know, we, we can talk about how, you know, index funds have sort of caused a lot of stocks to kind of move together, but you do see these, these kind of fluctuations in, you know, as you put a correlation that the relationships do change. And, you know, to some extent, it's what's happening in the economy that's really driving those kinds of shifts as much as it is money managers trying to figure out what the hot sector is going to be next quarter. Um, what's interesting, too, is we have the Fed, Yelena, going into its quiet period, right? So they're going to... They went into a quiet period over the course of the weekend right. already. So we Finally. Not- <laughs> no offense. I love everybody on the Federal Reserve. I love hearing we from love them. We love listening to them. A, we've heard a lot from them lately. Uh, yes, absolutely. But we're not going to hear until uh, the press conference after the FOMC meeting. And uh, that should provide us a little bit more detail on the balance sheet unwind. That's what we all want to know, right? right. Because uh, the June meeting hike is uh, kind Kind of priced in. Everybody's expecting that, but uh, what about the pace of uh, further tightening and the balance sheet unwind? Uh, watch for uh, the uh, co- press conference from uh, Chair J- Janet Yellen. Okay, because that'll be important. Yes, we love hearing from Janet Yellen. We love hearing from all of them. But it's we've had a lot, a lot of information, and I think that you know the Fed has become much more transparent. There's a lot of information out there, so you know you think the markets, Dave, can't be surprised. Well, at least that's what the intent of all this talking is to eliminate as much surprise as possible. All right. Going to leave it on that note. Dave Wilson, Stocks Editor, his chart of the day, Bloomberg News, along with Yelena Shalateva, our senior U.S. economist at Bloomberg Intelligence, both in our Bloomberg 1130 studio here in New York. Let's get a check on your latest World of National News headlines. Once again, over to Nathan Hager in our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Nathan, where do you want to start? Well, start right here in Washington, where former FBI Director James Comey is still set to testify before the Senate Intelligence Committee just three days from now. The White House now says it will not try to stop him. The president's power to assert executive privilege is very well established. However, in order to facilitate a swift and thorough examination of the facts sought by the Senate Intelligence Committee, President Trump will not assert executive privilege regarding James Comey's scheduled testimony. White House spokeswoman Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Comey is expected to face questions from senators about that memo claiming President Trump asked him to drop the investigation into fired National Security Advisor Michael Flynn's Russia ties. The president may be pulling the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Accord, but as Bloomberg's Amy Morris reports, that's not stopping American cities from staying in. We begin with Washington, D.C., where Mayor Muriel Bowser says she'll continue to follow the guidelines of the Paris Climate Change Accord, despite President Trump's decision to withdraw the U.S. from the pact. She's signing an order reaffirming that commitment today. In all 187 mayors representing 10 of millions of Americans are upholding the pact, including Boston, Chicago, New York City, Houston, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, New Orleans, and many more. Amy Morris, Bloomberg Radio. And opening statements are underway in Bill Cosby's long-awaited sexual assault trial. He's accused of drugging and attacking a Temple University employee in 2004. This trial is expected to last about two weeks. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg.